This is the A-List Podcast brought to you by BetOnline.hd and Indeed.com and Rocket Money. Welcome to another edition of the A-List Podcast. We are a little bit shorthanded tonight, but that's okay because we're going to do what we do. No Kwani Lunas. She's got a couple other pressing engagements that she had to take care of, but me and Gary Washburn, we are going to hold it down, and we've got quite a bit to talk about. Hey, Gary, how you doing? Real good. Just as I said, just got back from the, uh, the West Coast, uh, Los Angeles, and after a long road trip, probably one of the longest in Recent memory for the Celtics with five cities, six games over 10 days, uh, west, sorry, east to west. So, yeah, uh, Celtics return home four and two. You know, everybody's a little fatigued. But now, as you know, everybody gets to, to stay home for a while. The Celtics are home until January 1st. Like they get they get all the. Uh, time at home, Christmas, the day after Christmas, yeah. So Kwanzaa, you, don't think about Kwanzaa. We got Kwanzaa, Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, all of all of the holidays they get to spend at December. Was it December fifteenth today? Yeah. Um, was fifteenth or fourteenth? Fourteenth, 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 and so they they're home for seventeen days. So uh, let's see what happens there. Yeah, but I, you got to give them a lot of credit and give them props for earning the right to be home. When you look at the way that they've been playing throughout the course of the season, 22-7 and seven overall record, the best record in the NBA right now. And obviously on that West Coast trip, as you mentioned, Gary, they went 4-2, and two, a couple of losses that kind of raised for a reason eyebrow or so because they didn't play their best, best games. But when you look at where this team's at, Gary, were you at all surprised that they went 4-2? and two? Did you expect them to do better than that, worse than that, or about that? I thought five and one, maybe I thought they would get the win the Clipper game or the Warrior game. I thought they'd win one of those two. Um, you know, the, I think people were thinking six and oh after they went three and oh, and obviously that game, uh, that you know, blowout win over the Phoenix Suns. But uh, the Warriors are ready for them. The Warriors are very good at home, and the Clippers, you know what, they showed when they're healthy, when they're right, when they're almost healthy, they still didn't have. Uh, Robert Covington or Norman Powell, that they're a pretty damn good club in uh, going to be a force in the West because Kawhi was good. Paul George wasn't great, but he scored a lot. And then Marcus Morris, you don't really think much about him now. I mean, former Ooh. Celtic, he was putting them down too, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's a three-headed monster. And then you got guys like Reggie Jackson and John Wall and Zubak and all that. So I I, I was a little disappointed uh, for in them for that performance against the Clippers. And they had a day off. They're supposed to be mad about losing to the Warriors. And they went out and just kind of never really gained any consistency in that game. And then started, you know, the referee, you know, start bitching at officials and that type of thing and tripping about calls and, and, and that type. So you can't have that happen. No, no, you can't let that have happen. And you you have to be a little bit more focused, a little bit more disciplined. And you need to play like a front runner. And I, I still think the Celtics, in many respects, is still adjusting to being the team that everyone gets up for. Uh, and, and you know, they, they've been able to beat teams for the most part with their shot making. But they really do have to get, I think, do a better job of figuring out how to find that balance between being an impact scoring team with, with their shot making, but also elevating their play defensively. And obviously, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit later about Robert Williams, but I wanted to, before we get into that, talk a little bit about Jason Tatum, who really, we saw both the best and the worst of Jason Tatum, I thought, 
on this road trip. Uh, there were nights where he looked like top five Tatum. Uh, and then there are other nights where you're just like, who the hell is that dude out there looking sort of kind of, but not really like Jason Tate. When you look at just his overall play out West, uh, Gary, was there anything that concerned you about just the kind of the highs and lows, particularly, I want to talk specifically about the golden state game, because that was the game that of all the games on the slate this season, that was a game that I think so many people really expected him to kind of elevate his play. And that just didn't happen. Yeah, um, I'm looking at the the game logs from, you know, the trip for Jason. He uh, 29 at Brooklyn, 31 at Toronto, 25 at Phoenix, but he only played 29 minutes. He was he was good, and then all of a sudden, those two games, Clippers Warriors, he was a combined 13 for 41 shooting, four for 17 from three. Um, he, he did pull down 18 total rebounds, had six assists, um, but 38 total points in those two games. And he played 77 minutes in those games. So it wasn't like he got, you know, he set out the, the fourth quarter when they were getting blown out. I mean, as we can talk about, you know, Missoula, Missoula plays these guys. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the minutes uh, for Tatum on this trip, I'll go, I'll go December. Let's go December. 41, 37, 39, 29 against Phoenix when they were, he had to almost take those guys out. 40, 37, and then 44 in the overtime win against the Lakers. So he's putting, he's getting, he's getting his usage rate up. But I was concerned. I I thought he just, you know, teams are going to figure out, especially good coaches. Steve Kerr, Tyron Lue, two of the top coaches in the league for strategy. So they figured out, put multiple bodies on Tatum, figure out how to, you know, kind of frustrate him, make him a passer. Um, And and I think Tatum was really trying to get the three ball going in those games, not attacking the rim. If you look at his free throw attempts, he got to the line four times against the Clippers, seven times. And then then he mentally in a Warriors game, Sharadi just wasn't right. He missed his first free throw of the game. That he missed two key free throws when they were trying to make a run that could have cut the lead to six with like about four minutes left, and it kept it at eight. And I think the Warriors might have come back and hit a three, and it was eleven again. And it was like, okay, then this that's it. Like Tatum can't go and miss both ends of the free free throws. That's concentration, you know. Tatum and Tatum when it's not shooting well, has got to find other ways to contribute defensively, rebounding, and rebound. I think he is. He has averaged Sherrod 10 rebounds this month. I'm looking at his December numbers. Okay. His numbers are not as gaudy as they were in November. Right. November, 32 points a game in November. Uh, December, 26 points now. But he's averaging 26 and 10 boards. 34.5% for the free for the three-point line. But he's had a couple really poor three-point performances. 0 for 7 against Miami, 2 for 9 against the Warriors, 2 for 8 against the Clippers. But, you know, he was brilliant against the Lakers. I mean, just carrying the team, 44, 9, and 6, um, you know, one block. You know what I'm saying? So you see that he's becoming more consistent. You know, all these guys, these superstars are going to have some some shaky games. Right. I mean, let's be honest, Sherrod, like, 
Devin Booker was terrible against the Celtics last week. Terrible, terrible. I mean, he was he was terrible. <laughs> he, was, he was terrible. I love I love Devin Booker. Be terrible. <laughs> um, my Barkley impression, but he was he was bad. Yeah, you know. So all these superstars, Giannis. I mean, the Bucks went down um, to Houston, and with John Lucas as coach, because the late you know, so Stephen Silas, his dad, the late Paul. Right. We could talk about Paul Silas. One of I mean. Sorry, Sherrod. One of our favorite guys. I mean, that hurts. That you, oh my God, that hurts. That one of yeah. one of our. I mean, there's not a lot we agree on, Sherrod, but our but we, we, uh, Paul Silas is on, we, our affection for yeah. Paul Silas is one of those things we agree on. Yeah. I love that guy. I loved him as a coach. He was a no nonsense. He got some famous lines that we cannot say in this podcast. <laughs> About and you know about saying it, saying a certain some of his players and 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 keeping it real and being that old uncle that that you know that kept it real and and it was about to choke you if you didn't do something you wanted to do you know uh, but the, you know Milwaukee went down there and lost to 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 Houston you know so right. everybody has a bad game so I'm not gonna like admonish Tatum for like having consecutive bad games, but that was on the big stage, you know, that yeah. warrior game without Andrew Wiggins too. Right. You know, the one guy that seemed to give you more yeah, fits than both. Playing. Right. So, and Clay got into him, you know what I'm saying? And Clay is good. Clay was very good uh, that day. And the yeah. warrior, I'm sorry, the Celtics dropped defense where it's like, Hey, Clay dribble up and just shoot a 16 footer. We'll let you do that. Like that didn't work either. That wasn't right, a very right. effective strategy to let a shooter shoot. But I, you know, if Tatum is going to like, if 20 points on, you know, is, is a bad Tatum, I think you got to take that one. Like you scoring nine, you know, and there's a, the other days, as, as we know, that Jay, it's going to be Jalen's night. Jalen 31 against the Warriors, you know, like Jalen showed up. So some days it's just going to be Jalen's night. Tatum doesn't always have to score 35 points. It's like, get the boards, get a steal, um, make that right pass. If they're doubling you, like, you know, what we saw against the Lakers was that they, they doubled them. And what did Jason do early? He passed the ball right. to the cutter. He set up Jalen. Uh, he set up. Blake Griffin on an easy layup. Like he's like, all right, this is what y'all gonna do because this is what this is the strategy. This is what the book the scouting report says. Defend me. Well, I'm gonna burn you with the pass. That's all you want Jason to do. I think he's getting better at that. He he's getting better at that, but to me, that that game was an example of I think that the the balancing act that he is always going to be challenged with doing, and that is being that dominant elite scorer, but still making enough effort to get your teammates involved. And I think sometimes when he's playing on those really big stages, like against a team like Golden State, he's going to lean on what's comfortable as opposed to what's most effective. Comfort level for him is to keep shooting because he knows that he can pretty much get any shot he wants against anyone out there. But that's not the recipe for success. That's not why these cats have the best record in the NBA. They got the best record in the NBA because Jason Tatum can get you 25 and 10 on a bad night. And on a good night, he can get you 32 and seven and get you six, seven dimes, eight, nine, 10 rebounds. And those other aspects, that's what really has separated him in many respects from some of the top players in the league. And and, 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 and along those same lines, Gary, you know, he, he's been a guy that we talked about. You know, I've been talking about top five Tatum all the way back to last season. 
But he legitimately is one of the top three, top four players in the NBA at this point. When you look at his body of work, look at the team's success. How do you think folks are going to view what they saw out West? Because, yeah, they were four and two. But, you know, he, he stunk against Golden State, if we're being honest and keeping it real. And he, he was, wasn't much better, if at all better, against the Clippers, two of the type of teams that when you get near the finish line in the postseason, those are the kind of teams that you're going to have to deal with in order to get, that, get to that last stage of the, of the game, which is the NBA Finals. Yeah, Sherrod, I think that his uh, maybe, you know, like that momentum took a, took a hit. Like that Tatum is unquestionably an MVP of the league, took a hit um, because of those two games. Now he came back, national TV game, TNT, and dropped 44. I mean, that move against LeBron to tie the game. That was special. I don't know if I've seen that before out of him. He went in his bag. He dribbled right and then turned left away from the basket and then faded away. Usually, you know, guys turn toward the basket or right. try to turn toward the basket. Tatum dribbled right, then turned away from the basket, spun and shot the fadeaway swish. Like, that's special. Yeah. So I think he got some of that reputation back Tuesday with the drop in the 44. Um, but I, don't, I do think the high-profile games against the Warriors and the Clippers damaged a little bit. Now, you got plenty of chances. You got the Bucks coming in on Christmas Day. Right. Now, you know, with Giannis showdown, that's what that's what the folks are gonna sell. Tatum against Giannis, the two top, you know, two of the top guys for the MVP, along with like a Luca um in the league. So they're gonna sell that. And what does Tatum do on that big stage? The only game in town at that particular time. There's no other games. Uh, at that time slot. So everybody's going to be eating their Christmas dinner, watching that five o'clock game. We, you know, uh, we'll be there or whatever, but you know, everybody's going to be like, okay. Cause that's when what you got. Yeah. yeah. That's when people really start paying attention to the NBA is those Christmas day games, but people yeah. are casual yeah. fans. Uh, now it's going to be interesting. Cause I think the NFL <laughs> plays that day too. It's a Sunday. So it's going to be interesting to see how it competes with the NFL. But I also think people are going to be like, okay, what's, what's this Jason Tatum guy about? And, you know, playing time, the Warriors come back to the Garden, so do the Clippers, so do the Lakers. So there's plenty of other marquee games for Tatum to show himself. And Tatum wasn't – I thought – I was more concerned about the Warrior game because of the mental. Like, it's, Tatum got frustrated, and I said he missed those two free throws, and I was like – Man, he just what? And then I said, I, I remember asking him the one play where he had an open, wide open three, missed it, knew he was short, got his own rebound, went to the rim, missed the layup, and it's just like, man, it just ain't your night, Jason. Like, and he just said, yeah, I just couldn't. Like, I was like, damn, what's going on here? So you know, there's gonna be games like that. I'm not gonna judge him. Off of, you know, we can go down the, the, the stat lines of Luca, Giannis, and those guys and look and go, wow, 10 points or, you know, 12 points and, and, and you know, four for 18. Everybody's got a bad night. I said that Devin Booker game. I mean, I thought he was, t- he was, t- he was, they were in his head early. He was, yeah. you know, he got foul trouble. So, and Devin Booker's one of the top, you know, five, seven players in the league, too, you know. 
So it happens. Everybody gets humbled. It's a humbling league, as we know, Sherrod. You know, ain't everybody Michael, you know, that's what makes Michael Jordan so damn great. Because Michael Jordan pretty much showed up every night. MJ was there every night. So, you know, but I think Jason, you know, goes back to the lab, figures out how they were playing him, and you know, gets better because I think he's becoming more consistent. That to me, averaging almost 10 rebounds this month, I mean, that's impressive. You know, the three point line could be better and all that, but just he's starting to board and the assist. Yeah, I mean, th- there's no question that that Tatum is, is still a good player. And you, I mean, bottom line, there's some nights where you're going to play like Ray Allen, other nights you're going to play like Allen Ray. It, but it's, it, it happens. It's part of him. Bottom line is this, though. Tatum is still, I think, <laughs> a guy that most people would agree is when you're talking about the top tier players in the NBA, Tatum is a safe bet for most, I think, any, any fan. And for the A-List podcast, safe bet for us is our good friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season, everything from NFL and bowl season to esports and World Cup. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're in the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to BetOnline AG to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. I want to talk about a guy that, again, we, we really want to see him get it going, and that is Mr. Robert Williams. Uh, had a chance to talk to him a few weeks ago. Very, he seemed very upbeat, indicating he was going to be out there soon. We listened to Joe Mazzula. He said, yep, he's day-to-day. And they go out west, and, and Rob is on a trip, and you're thinking, well, yeah, this, this will be a good. The games were spaced out. It was a long trip. You figure, yeah, this might be a good time to throw him out there. Uh, there was no Rob Williams sighting other than what we saw on the sidelines during games and inside the locker room afterwards, having a good old time with his teammates. Were you surprised that we did not have a Rob Williams sighting in an actual game? No, not at all. No. Why? Because one, all these games are high profile, big games. You're not going to throw them in in for his return to get 15 minutes against the Lakers, the Clippers, or the Warriors. Okay? You're going to throw them in against the Magic. Okay, two low-profile games. The Magic are in Friday and Sunday. Perfect timing. An opponent that is going to play hard. You know, Jamal Mosley has those guys playing hard. They got talent. Paolo Banchero is a a beast. But it's a low-profile situation for Robert Williams. Then Indiana comes in. You might throw him in there. You know, then Minnesota without Carl Anthony Towns. Like, you got situations at home. You can get practice time because I'm sure, Sherrod, although the team was off today, the team was off Thursday, Robert Williams is still in the gym, putting in the work, getting, getting close. So I think, and I said this before, predict it would either be Friday or Sunday against Orlando because that's a yeah. low pro. That's what you want. Low profile situation. He doesn't have to travel, stretch of games at home. You don't, you're not playing a back-to-back. You give him a day off the next day. Play him 15 minutes. Bring him back slowly but surely. The whole Sherrod, you're not rushing him back. They don't need him. They're 22-7 and seven without him. Okay, it's worked. 
if they were if they were like 15 and 14, then it'd be like, well, you need the big dog back in the paint. But now you really don't at this point need to rush him. And you want to keep him ready for April. This whole regular season for him does not matter. The only thing you want Robert to do is to keep getting basketball shape, get his, get sharp, and avoid injury. They don't need him to be Wilt Chamberlain in there. They have enough relief. Remember, they're also getting Al Horford back on Friday, right? You know, Horford out for the, you know, miss all of most of uh, five of the six games with personal situation and uh, health and safety. So now he's back on Friday. So they get two big, they're going to get two big men back eventually. So, and I think, honestly, Sherrod, Blake Griffin's played well. Um, Now, he ran out of gas against the Lakers. Please, he yes, was, please qualify your answer about playing well, because I'm, I'm going to let no, you finish. But go. I thought he played well. I thought he did what he's supposed to do. Like, what, what more are you asking for him to do? He like re- go ahead. He rebounded. He hit a couple of threes. Um, you know, he, he picked up some fouls. Like, that's what you want Blake to do. I thought he played well, especially on a back-to-back. He's, you know, what's the last time they do probably played a back-to-back? But they had to because they had no other bigs. You know, but he, did he run out of gas? Was he not quite, the you know, himself? Of course, of course. Like in the third quarter against the Lakers or whatever, that when they made that run or whatever. but. I think he, I thought he had a, a solid road trip. I, I definitely did. Overall, yeah. But get to your point, Gary, I like seeing Blake Griffin in very small doses. And the injuries forced the Celtics hand to some degree to play him more. But I guess that's where I'm, I'm thinking about Rob. And if Rob is physically able to go and you're just holding him off because you want him to be in a low-pressure situation as he reintegrates himself with the team, Forget that. We're trying to win some damn games so you can get home court. I would like to have seen Rob, if he were healthy enough to play, 10 minutes in any one of those games. 10 minutes. That, to me, is a, because that's usually about five minutes or more where you're not going to have Blake out there. Because I think Blake has given them everything he can give them, and, and that's fine if you're getting it in small doses. But I thought this road trip exposed the fact that Blake – You've got to be just like you got to be smart with with managing other guys' minutes and, and things of that nature. You got to be smart about your contributions from Blake. I thought Blake again. He gave you everything you got, but you need more. And if he can't give you more, you got a guy who's healthy enough to give you more in in small doses. Which I think Rob at this point is healthy enough to play. You throw him out there for a few minutes. You throw him out there for a few minutes. But look, okay, Sherrod. Blake's numbers on the road trip. Okay, nine point two points. Seven rebounds, 2.4 assists, 51% shooting. Like, that's not bad. No, it's not bad. Not bad at all. Like, that's what you'd expect. That's what you're going to get from a third center. Like, that's good. Like, against the Lakers, yep, he was three for – he did not have a good game. Three for 11, he shot too much. Three for 11, 0 for 5 from three because they left him open. They were hoping he he could knock some of those down. You know, he hit three three pointers in Phoenix. You know, but he everybody went was making shots in Phoenix. You got to throw yeah. that out. Everybody, you was making shots. The last, the last two games in LA, he combined. He was, he was three for fourteen, zero for seven from three, eleven points. But he also had eleven rebounds and eight assists. 
okay, over those two games. So four sets, like in, in limited time, 23 minutes and 21 minutes. That's what I think that's optimal. Nine points and seven rebounds for Blake. I mean, really? I, I think they're giddy at that type of production. Over 20 minutes, 22 minutes. Okay, he had, thir- he had 13 and eight against Toronto. He played 32 minutes. And that's the most he's played since he was with the Pistons. So, to me, I think he's done remarkably well. With I mean, he played in five games on the road trip. Right. He didn't. He didn't play in Brooklyn. Okay, he gave him because Horford played in Brooklyn. He gave him solid minutes, solid production. Did he shoot well? No. Zero for seven in the lap in the threes, but to me. He's giving you what he's got, him and Cornette. So I don't think, and they're still winning. You know, it wasn't his fault they lost against the Clippers or the Warriors. I mean, he went for 13 and seven against the Warriors in 20 minutes. So it wasn't, Blake wasn't, you know, got to the free throw line five times. So I'm not like blaming Blake. I think he's done remarkably well. Now, that's all you're going to get from him to me. 23, 22, 23 minutes, eight points, six rebounds. That's all you want. You know, we all know Blake ain't, 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 ain't lobster. Ain't, ain't jumping up no kids. No, no. He tried to dunk. He tried to dunk on Zubak in LA. He tried. He missed it. But shoot, he tried to get up, get up. That would have, I mean, that, that would have brought down the house yeah. in LA because, you know, I mean, they still got love for Blake there. So to me, I don't think you need to rush Robert back. And I think, as Missoula said, they want to make sure he's in back. Because we all know, Sherrod, he's susceptible to injury. Yeah. All of a sudden, he plays 22 minutes, knee soreness. He's out a week and a half. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just don't want – you want him to work that knee and then to say, how's it feel, Rob? Uh, No pain. You do not want him saying – well, it kind of hurts, but I can still go out there and play. No, 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 no. We don't need residual knee soreness. Now, he's going to have knee soreness just because he's had surgery repaired knees, but you don't want him out there laboring or trying to play, play on one leg again. Like, make sure that leg is as strong as it can be. Yeah, I mean, that, that's in, in, a, in a perfect world, that's what you want. And, and obviously, you know, you mentioned with Blake. He, he's playing – listen – Blake's effort. I know you don't like not, Blake. Well, let's be honest. You don't like Blake. You first know what it is? Good. First of all, first of all, I like Blake. Clippers Blake. I love that dude. That dude was Everybody loves Clippers Blake. But I just don't like the fact that he is being put. I don't think I don't think that necessarily putting him in the best position to be successful because we all know that there's a legitimate cap on what he can do out there. And you're exceeding that when you but That's what you get out of a third center. Like Luke Cornett has a cap. Like you did not sign, like you 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 got Robert Williams who gives you the best chance. Okay, you have Al Horford who can play center, but it's mostly mostly a four. But as a third center, you know, do you think Dwight Howard was going to give you more or Demarcus Cousins? I don't know. Maybe, you know, Dwight Scott doesn't have the physical limitations, you right. know, as Blake does. You know, but. Right. Dwight's also could be an issue in the, in the locker room. Yeah. I think, I think that's the one thing that, you know, Dwight is Dwight. He still think he Dwight. So what, you know, Blake has that humility. 
And we've all talked, we've all talked yeah. to Blake. Blake knows I ain't, I'm, yep, I know I ain't Rob City Blake. Yep, I'm here to win a chip. I'm here to help out. I know I'm like the ninth option. That's okay with me. You don't want Dwight in there talking about, I need more touches. You don't want Dwight to, oh, I need more lobs. You know, like, you don't need that. And I'm not saying that, I, and I know, you know, in my dealings with Dwight, he's always been nice and, and you know, but I think there's a guy, a guy who still wants to be the man, you know? So, yeah, could he, could Dwight had fared better? Yeah, but you also got to think about the locker room. So I think Blake has given him all he's going to give him. All he and he's done a good job so far. I think he's played more than I think anyone would have imagined. And I think that, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. And 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 to be honest with you, Gary, I don't like that reality. Uh, I wish he played closer to like the 10, 15 minutes every now and then. Uh, but he's had he's played in thirteen games. He's had eight starts, which is I thought he'd have eight to ten starts all season. He's got eight to ten before we get the damn Christmas. Uh, and it's not like the team has had a significant number of, of, you know, blows to the front court. It's just that things have just worked out that way. Guys going to health and safety protocol and, and such matters like that. Um, but Blake, I, I will say this, Blake has been an ideal teammate for this team. He's been, he's been a low key bluish type of guy for what they needed in that specific role. I will give him that. Um, he's been a good teammate. And one of our good teammates out there is Indeed.com. Uh, speaking of teammates, pulling my corny lunas right there. No one has a business like yours. With all its strengths and challenges to succeed, you need a hiring partner that adapts to your needs. You need Indeed. Indeed is a hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Instead of, uh, and again, find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed data. Uh, again, Indeed is just an amazing partner. When you sponsor with Indeed, again, in the U.S., you're, you're three times more likely to get a hire according to Indeed data. And even better, Indeed's the only job site where you only pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements. So start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job posts at Indeed.com slash A-list. That's Indeed.com slash A-list. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now and again at Indeed.com slash A-list. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now. What we need to do is talk about Mr. Joe Missoula. First of all, let me just get it right out there on Jump Street. Joe has done a hell of a job. When you look at the circumstances by which he became the head coach, you look at really just a lot of the noise that he had to kind of filter out and, and just focus on the job and the task at hand, which is to coach these guys. He's done a hell of a job. But he's not flawless. He's not perfect. There are parts of his coaching acumen that I think he needs to get better at. And I thought the Lakers game brought some of those 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 shortcomings, things he things he needs to get better at to light. And I'm speaking specifically about his use of timeouts, Gary. Um, there is no end of the year, you know, you know, you can't cash those timeouts in and get some kind of end of the season prize. Um, he has a tendency to let his players play through runs. 
And he's explained in the past that he does that so they can get comfortable, so they can learn how to fight through that. But there are times, Gary, where you can kind of see that they're going to need some intervention other than their own ability to slow the bleeding. And Joe, I don't think he's he's developed a strong enough pulse for when he needs to do that and when not to. I'm just curious, what were your thoughts on just the, the use of timeouts in, in that, that Lakers game and really just in a more broad sense as well? Yeah, I thought I thought you, you can't wait till the run gets to 18 to nothing to call a timeout. Right. Like you got to eight to 10. OK, that run, red run got to 18. It was it was 88, 74 mm. Celtics. And then it was 92-88 Lakers. Okay. With like, no timeouts on call. No, no, he called a timeout when it was 92-74. The run got to 18 to nothing. Okay. And then, it, I mean, and the Celtics looked a complete mess. It's one thing, if you're playing the right way, you're just missing shots. The Celtics couldn't get the ball off the floor. They were turning over. They were taking bad shots. Uh, they were they were dribbling too deep into the paint. They were getting stripped. They were getting run. Lakers getting run out. LeBron looking like Cleveland LeBron with the dunks. Russ looking like OKC Russ. You know, like they Lottie Walker was getting in their ass. Like it was like okay, stop this, Joe. Stop this. Either get some new guys in the game, or just call a timeout. And he didn't until it got 92-88. Then he didn't call a timeout for the rest of the game. It got to 105-93. I mean, so it worked. Like, the, the, Joe had two times. Joe, when, when the game went to overtime, Missoula had two, Missoula had two timeouts left. <laughs> and again, you know what I'm saying? It's crazy. Freaking your boy, your dude, your main man, Darvin Ham. Used all of his timeouts and regulations. You're damn right. The were damn near up the whole time. It's crazy. It's right, like, right. you know, Joe does not like timeouts. And I'm, will yeah. that help? I think it will, but I think there's certain extreme situations that you have to call a damn timeout. Last oh. night was one of them. Like yeah. they were inept. They couldn't get the ball up the floor. They were, the crowd was all up into it. Grant making mistakes. Marcus trying to do Marcus taking three. Like it was like this is the worst of the Celtics. Stop yeah. this. Stop the fight. Stop the fight. Like <laughs> oh, you know what I'm saying. But there's Joe. Yeah. And, you know. But then you know they're down thirteen. Sorry, uh, thirteen with three forty left, and they come back to tie it. And he didn't call a timeout when they went. When the Lakers went up 13, 106-93, he did not call a timeout. They just played through it. Yeah. And then the Grant three, and then a lot of, you know, some of the Laker writers were saying the key play was that Marcus Smart steal of the LeBron yeah. inbounds that cut it to eight. It was 106-93, Grant three, okay, 106-96, you're still up 10, then boom, 106-98. Then all of a sudden it's like, uh-oh, then you know, and, and we're talking about we're not talking about our our our, our Lakers, our, our our daddy's Lakers. We talking about these Lakers. Like, uh oh, <laughs> we, we up five. We, it's a two possession game. Uh oh, somebody about to choke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we yeah. trouble trouble. So what happened? The Lakers choked it. Anthony yeah. Davis missed yeah. two free throws. Right. They got hesitant. 
and then they were tired. Like I could see it. Like first, yeah. Darvin Ham pulled a Missoula. He played AD and LeBron forty plus, and them dudes like, bro, you know who he is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he didn't play Kendrick Nunn no forty minutes. None of them young dudes. Austin Reason played forty minutes. He played his old guy Russ all them forty, and they were like. You know, yeah. at the end of the game, they were done. Overtime, they were done. So, yeah. I think Missoula has his own way. He's he's sticking by it. Now, will that end up burning him and burning the team in one game or two? We'll see. So far, it hasn't really burned them. I mean, there's seven losses. We've all been like two the overtime losses to Cleveland. All right. You could say he made some questionable coaching decisions there. The two at Chicago, where they just yeah. they did that's a bad matchup for them. Yeah, the Bulls, it is, you know, that the, the game against Miami where Butler just hit a bunch of big shots, and then the two Lakers clip. So of their six losses, four have been not close. Right. Three have been overtime. Yeah. They had three overtime losses. Yeah. Um, you know, so you could you can't say it's not working. No, no. You, my my concern though, Gary, is is that uh, and you and you know we we you and I we we've seen enough playoff games to know that there's such a small margin for error when you get to the postseason. Uh, you know, you you look back at like the the Brooklyn series where the Celtics swept him. I mean, that series could have easily been two two rather than a four zero sweep. Uh, possession here, possession there. I worry about Boston getting to the playoffs and having one of those games where. They are on a short end of an 18-0 run where there's no timeout call, and then they wind up losing by like four. And you yeah. you, you start playing that what if game, which you don't want to do because again, I think what Joe does is works well in a regular season. I'm not sure if giving them that much room to figure things out is going to work most of the time in the playoffs. My fear again is it's going to be the one game where it doesn't work in the playoffs, and that just what happens to be you know game five when you're when it's a two two series and then you lose that game you're down three two and then you're going back to their place for game six that's my concern uh but again you know i, I will say this if you look at the overall body of work that joe mazula has put together you know as, as a coach in his first year of doing this thing i mean he has been you know money in the bank and speaking of money in the bank you want to put a little money in your bank check out our good friends with rocket money Yes, Rocket Money. Are you wasting money on subscriptions? 80% of people have subscriptions they forget about. Maybe for you, it's an unused Amazon Prime account or a Hulu account that never gets streamed. There's this great app that I use that helps me track all of my expenses. And I actually, I used it yesterday. Uh, and, and we, the, the cool thing about Rocket Money is that they have a rundown of all the different subscriptions that you have. And it gives you... Th- Frankly, it gives you when they expire and just all the information you're going to want about them. And you can figure out if there's one or two or 22 that you don't need. And I found a couple that I had that I've completely forgot about. And I looked at how much I was having taken out of, out of my account every week or excuse me, every month for them. And I'm thinking like, damn, I need to shut this down right now. And if not for Rocket Money, I would have never discovered that. And the cool thing about Rocket Money is that it allows you to not only have them Take care of that for you. But if you want, you can go directly to the even to the uh, to the websites or talk, or call those companies that you have the subscription with and take care of it yourself. So Rocket Money is 
amazingly awesome. The app shows all your subscriptions in one place and cancels them for whatever you don't still want. Again, you can even have find subscriptions you didn't know you were paying for, as I just mentioned, to cancel subscription. It's literally as simple as pressing cancel and Rocket Money can take care of the rest. So get rid of those useless subscriptions with Rocket Money. Now, go to rocketmoney.com slash A-list. Seriously, it can save you hundreds per year. That's rocketmoney.com slash A-list. Cancel those unnecessary subscriptions right now at once again rocketmoney.com slash A-list. So folks like Gary Washburn can go out and give me a good Christmas present because that's what Gary Washburn does. Right, G-Money? There you go. There you go. Now, back to the green team, as we were talking about. Uh, you know, we're going to run around the NBA real quick and just take a look at some of the couple storylines there. I want to talk first about your boy Draymond Green. Um, gets a fan toss in Milwaukee. I mean, granted... Golden State was getting that ass waxed in that game. Milwaukee was on it, just killing it. And we'll talk a little bit about one of the reasons why Milwaukee is killing it even more so lately. But just your thoughts when you when you see those type of stories where, you know, players, fans have a little tit for tat and then the, and fans get tossed. I mean, how do you feel about that whole player-fan dynamic when it kind of gets a little bit more than just, just flapping gums? Yeah, it's interesting, Sarah. I mean, I think that it's just we live in a society today where people feel like they can be disrespectful. And then when you call them out on it, it's like, oh, I was just, you know, I was just giving you a hard time. I wasn't like people like, we, you know, we've been at games and people just say things that are just like they, they, in our day, we you would never say to a pro athlete. You know, you just, but you get people that just say anything like they just, and I just think there's a general disdain from some fans about the money that these guys make, the lavish lives they live, and there's a jealousy there. So these guys are going to take their, you know, have a couple of beers and go and give these guys, you know, say some inappropriate things at times and whatever. And it sounded like Draymond got to a fan who was just like, you know. I'm going to kill you. Yeah, threatening his life. Like, not everybody goes to NBA games as a model citizen. Like, some of these, <laughs> I mean, some of these Gary, people go to NBA games got, got, a, got a past. Leave my like, people he, out of this, Gary. Leave my people out of this. They got a past. <laughs> you know, they can do some things. <laughs> you know, they, they ain't all model citizens, right? So, I think it's an uncomfortable situation. You know, some of these folks, we've seen them at the garden at times that they'll just say whatever they want, feel like they need to say. And it's like, nobody, first of all, nobody, the player doesn't hear you. Secondly, you got kids around, be quiet, enjoy the ball game. You know, you're going there, you know, it's like, this isn't life and death. Now, yeah, is it the finals or playoffs? Very important games, but just hold yourself with some kind of class and accountability as opposed to going there and acting a fool. Like, you know, so I, I just think I understand some of the players, like what, if I go up and pull a Steven Jackson, then I'm going to get suspended for the season, right? If I go up there and check these people, but, you know, I just think that the league needs to be more, has to be, and I think they have tried to be more aware of some of these things that are going on. Some of the statements that are made, the remarks, and I just think there's a natural unfortunate jealousy of these guys for what they do, for what they, you know, Draymond's an easy target. He talks a lot. He's had a lot of controversies. He's had a lot of issues, things like that. 
he's an easy target. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, you know, you're not, you're not, you're going to say something to him. You're not going to say something to, you know, to, to other guys, you know, you ain't going to, what are you going to do? How are you going to trash talk Giannis? Like, right. you know what I'm saying? He's done everything right. He's the most unstoppable player in the league. Like, what, what are you going to say? We're going to say to Luca. You know what I'm saying? But there's certain guys at Target that trigger those type of reactions. Russell Westbrook, Draymond, and, you know, Kyrie Irving, obviously, our friend. And these guys are going to hear it from the fans. Yeah. And some of these fans, not all. Most of the fans, 95% of the fans conduct themselves perfectly. And then there's others who just want to be seen. It's like the person that goes to, like, I remember years ago when I was in college, we, uh, a group of friends um, of mine knew this, uh, a buddy of mine uh, knew this, prom- uh, like, concert promoter. So he used to let us into these comedy competitions if we gave out flyers afterwards to the next show. So we would get free tickets to the fly- to the show as long as we sit out there and hand out flyers. And these, some of these, I mean, I saw Jamie Foxx and some of these people that was younger, you know, uh, a lot of, lot Joe Torrey, a lot of these uh, good young rising comedians, right? And then, you know, you go in and there was always, like one of my boys always wanted to be the dude to heckle. And it's like, dude, you're not a comedian. Be quiet. Let the dude do his thing. Why are you heckling him? Because he wanted to be heard. He want, he got to be that guy that people, he wants people to laugh at him instead of the comedian. And it was yeah. just like, dude, you're making, you making, be quiet. You're making this look, you're making yourself look dumb. Why are you trying to heckle? And it's just like, but there's people like that who got to, you just got to be heard. You just got to have somebody, oh, you're so funny. Like, you're not making no money. The right. comedian, if they're making money, if you that funny, then go on tour. You 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 try getting up there on the stage. You know, and I just remember my one of my friends is always that dude who felt like he had to heckle. And I'm like, dude, I hope you don't give a stick. Because if he roasts you, you better take it. See, that's what that's what I would always be afraid of. That you know what? He just might hear what you're saying. Right. And be like, oh, oh, oh. That's me. Oh, okay. And they put the spotlight on you and (laughs) clowning you. Right. Right. You know, we all saw, we also watched Def Comedy Jam. Don't don't sit in the front row and be quiet. Right. Right. Don't bring, and don't bring no, no date that you ain't proud of or don't bring. (laughs) (laughs) One of y'all going to get clowned. One of y'all will get clowned. Exactly. So I just think so many people just want to be heard. They just, yeah. they just want people to they want people to, to, to pay them to notice and pay them attention. Yeah. And absolutely. that's the that's the thing. These players ain't got nothing to do with your your desire to want to be heard because you weren't heard was when you were a kid or you feel like you gotta be you want to make people laugh at you or laugh or you want people to like to me it's tacky. You know, mm-hmm. they, what do you think? I mean, how how what does the NBA do about this? Well, I, th- I think the NBA is doing the best they can at, in this moment, and that is when a player realizes things are escalating in that direction, have that player talk to the officials. The officials then talk to security. Security then handles it. I, as much as, as as Draymond Green, and, and I love trash talk, full disclosure, I absolutely love that shit. Love it. Draymond pushes that a bit to the extreme uh, because when I think about guys who can trash talk, usually they have like one or two or three significantly discernible skills that set them apart. 
Like, I love hearing Rasheed Wallace talk trash because Rasheed could bust you. He could drop 25 points in like 10 minutes on you. Uh, I, I remember when they played Cleveland years ago, and Rasheed picked up a technical from official Jack Neese because Rasheed started laughing as a Junis Ogoskis because he was busting him and stripping him and pinning his stuff on the glass and started laughing at him. So I'm all for that. But Draymond has a tendency to cross that line a little bit with the, with this smack talk. But I love the fact that he had at least enough wherewithal to know that. I need to be smarter than this dude in the stands because at the end of the day, I have way more to lose than he does if I overreact. If I, if I snap, I could lose 5, 10, 20. Hell, I might be done for the season. That's millions of dollars that's going coming out of my pocket. He might have to go home early for one game and be back the next. So I, I, I like the way they're doing it now, but I, I do think that, and Gary, I think you touched on this, there really does seem to be a lack of respect for players from fans. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with, with, with booing for guys and, and trying to get in their head. And, and, but when you start, like, threatening cats' lives, that's 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 a bit much, uh, particularly yeah. particularly when you are like five, six, seven, eight, nine rows back and he may be able to hear you. But, you know, damn well, that whatever you're saying, you wouldn't say to his face, you know that. And we that's yeah. not trying to make these players out to be any extra tough guys or anything like that. It's just just sheer physics. He's six, eight, two sixty conditions himself to work out every damn day. You are not six, eight. You are not two sixty. You are not built for that fight. Literally or figuratively. So, uh, you know, I, I think to your point about folks looking for attention, that that I think there's a lot of lot of truth to that. And when you talk about speaking of attention, the Milwaukee Bucks, you know, they've been like right in that top three, top four all season long, and now they got Middleton back. First five games out, they won for them, including that beatdown they put on Golden State at the crib. Are you surprised that Milwaukee, that Chris Middleton is? It's almost. I mean, it's been a seamless reintegration on his part where they're they look like a lot of people thought they would look and that's amazingly awesome with him back in the fold are you surprised how, how no. smooth it's been no because i think they're a veteran club and they were used to playing without middleton and middleton just kind of adds you know um you know to that to that flow to that rhythm that they have and i think that you know they're going to be a threat you know the bucks are a team that you know, might be getting a little bit long in the tooth with like a, a Brooke Lopez and, you know, George Hill and that type of thing. But I also think that, you know, with Giannis and with, man, it's hard. They're going to be a tough team to beat. They're going to be a tough team to beat. I agree. And, uh, I agree. I agree. You know, but also, you know, they've had an interesting schedule. They've had a lot of home games. Okay. They're 20 and seven. I'm looking at their schedule. You know, they lost at home to the Lakers. Um, one at Charlotte when they didn't have anybody playing. One at Orlando. Beat Sacramento at home. One at Dallas. Lost at Houston with Giannis playing, and then beat Golden State. So you could say, you know, like they've had a, they've, you know, they played Detroit twice. They played, they played Oklahoma City twice already. They played San Antonio. They've, they played, I don't say cupcakes, but they've had a favorable schedule so far. Yeah. Okay. Um, obviously, they started out 9-0. They lost at Atlanta. They lost at San Antonio. They lost to Atlanta again. They lost at Philadelphia. They lost to Chicago. And they lost to the Lakers and they lost to Houston. So, you know, they've lost to teams that haven't been that damn good. 
Lakers losing record, Houston losing record, Chicago losing record, Philadelphia around 500, Atlanta solid, San Antonio losing record, Atlanta solid. So to me, they haven't played, you know, they haven't played to me the, the, the schedule that could tell me, okay, um, they're like number one. I think the the Celtics, on the other hand, you know, have played, I think, a better, a tougher schedule. Um, yeah. You know, so, and I'm not saying, you know, you can't make your schedule. That's just, that's just how it is. But it'll be interesting to see how the Bucs do. The Bucs have had 16 games at home. Uh, and I'm looking here, that's the most, that's the most in the NBA. Mm-hmm. They've had the most home games in the NBA. They had 11 on the road. Um, so I, it's be interesting to see the Celtics on, on the other hand, 16 games on the road, the most of any team in the NBA. So, and obviously the Celtics are about to get all that back when they have this seven game homestand, but the Bucks, I think are, are, they're going to be good. They're going to be a factor. It'll be very interesting to see what happens when the Celtics and Bucks start playing each other. And I'll say that Christmas day game. Cause if you look at the East, it's one and two Milwaukee and then Cleveland. And as much as we've seen the best of Cleveland when they play the Celtics, they're, they're, they're a team that's been good at home, bad on the road, five and nine on the road. Um, they've lost some really shaky games. They're only 17, 11 Brooklyn, the same thing, you know, like I just, I'm sorry. Sure. I like the Sixers. I don't know the Knicks, the Hawks, the Pacers, the Raptors, the heat, I don't look at them, any of them as a contenders yet. Like I just, yeah. you know, the Heat lost at home to San, San Antonio. You know, they're four and nine away from Miami. Like they've had a home heavy schedule. Like a lot of these teams are just like, they're terrible on the road. Toronto, three and 11 on the road. That just isn't like the Raptors. Um, you know, our friends in Washington, three and 10 on the road. The Magic and Hornets and Pistons, they're going to be terrible on the road. But, like, you look at some of these teams, like, just bad. The Knicks, bad, you know, 7-7 seven and seven at home. They don't win at the Garden. Like, everybody is flawed except the Bucs and the, and the Celtics, to me. Yeah, you know? yeah. Now, would the Celtics want to face the Cavaliers in the playoffs? I think that would be a very intense and competitive series. I think it's a bad matchup for them. Now, we'll see what happens when Robert Williams comes back, how he right. affects those bigs. But – if I'm the sell, but I look at the East and it's kind of a two team, and we'll see if Cleveland can convert Cleveland or Brooklyn or Philadelphia can emerge as that third team because there's four games that separate three and ten, mm-hmm. right? So I think if you look at the if you look at the chase for the uh, play in, it's I think you got you got twelve teams for ten spots. Washington, I'd give still them their two games back. Mm-hmm. Chicago's a game back. I don't think Orlando or Charlotte or Detroit, you know, and we can talk about your Pistons losing Kate Cunningham for the season. Uh, they can't buy uh, a break. Uh, unfortunately, uh, this was supposed to be the year I thought Detroit would really maybe maybe come close to winning 40 games and yeah. be a competitive ball club with doing our friend, Dwayne Casey, one of the good guys. In He's the such league. a good dude. Such just, a good dude. You hope that the you hope ownership has patience with him through this time and, and the injuries and, you know, 
the lack of development, like the Killian Hayes pick didn't, doesn't look so good now. And now you see Sadiq Bay might be on the trade block. And, you know, it's, it's like, you, you, it, it seemed like, you know, your, your friend, your Syracuse guy, Troy Weaver was doing, doing things right there. And it seemed like it was going to work out. And now you look and it's like, uh, same old Pistons, unfortunately. But if you're the, um, I think the Celtics and the Bucks are the one, two. That Christmas Day game will be fascinating because obviously they haven't matched up since Isakar was final. I think that I think it'll be interesting to see what Missoula does to try to defend Giannis. If Robert Williams is there, but I think those will be fascinating games. And I think those two are gonna fight it out for the number one seed. Yeah, I mean, I think they're hands down the two best teams in the East. And when they do meet on Christmas Day, uh, it will be not just the first time those two met this season, but the first time that I think two of the biggest X factors in the Eastern Conference. Chris Middleton and Robert Williams will be part of their respective teams. And we can see what kind of impact can they have, not just being with their teammates, but on in a game where they're facing arguably the next best team in the Eastern conference. And I I would argue and say probably the next best team in the NBA. I I still feel the winner of the East is going to win it all this year. Uh, Before the season started, I thought the Celtics were going to win it all. And I, I haven't, I haven't changed. My position on that hasn't quite gone the way I thought it would. I figured they would have one of the better records in the East. Uh, I did not anticipate they would have the best record in the entire NBA association. But listen, they are killing it. And as you pointed out earlier, Gary, you know, this is this week begins kind of the, the, the kind of payback, if you will, all them damn road games that you talked about where they got Orlando and almost like a sort of kind of but no way in hell is this a playoff series type of setup where Orlando's in town for games on Friday and, and Sunday. Uh, and obviously the Celtics will be expected to do well in both of those games uh, and just kind of keep building off of the momentum that they had at the very end of that ridiculously long-ass road trip. Well, Gary, we did it, man. We made it through a show without Kwani. Kwani, who, who, who is Kwani anyway? I don't know the Kwani you speak of. <laughs> no, we, we miss our girl Kwani. She should be back with us next week. Uh, she had a couple of things she needed to take care of. I'm not mad at about that. Uh, but again, before we go out of here, just another shout out to our good friends at betonline.ag, good friends at indeed.com, and, and our newest sponsor, new kid on the block, Rocket Money. Uh, shout out to them. And again, check out this uh, our, our podcast on all your podcasting apps. We are there in the building. Uh, that's it, Gary. Uh, thank you all for checking in the latest episode of the A-List Podcast. I'm H. Rob Blakely with Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe. We are out of here. Peace.